When you see a runner with perfect running form, what do you think? Damn, they look fast. How can I look like that? Or how efficient are they at injury prevention? Or is that running form so good by winning the genetic lottery? Or did they work at that? Or even... Do they do drills to look that good? Oh, yeah. Find out the answer to those questions and how you can elevate your run performance with these essential four uphill drills on this episode of Trees and D Lake. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none, just be a master of some. What is up? Welcome to Trees and D-Lake, a podcast series by Mike Trees and yours truly, Darren D-Lake Creates. In this series, our goal is to educate and entertain smart and committed runners. A bit more on that from Mike Trees. And the aim of this podcast is to give, in a lighthearted, amusing and entertaining way, hints and tips to help you all run better and enjoy your sporting life more. So let's see how we can go with that. Mike's being pretty modest. He has over 50 years of running and doing triathlons under his belt. And if you're wondering about me, I've been in the endurance sport game for about 25 years now, done a sub three hour marathon and completed an Ironman triathlon in 10 hours. We appreciate all the help and support that we can get. So if you can, please share out this episode to someone that you know that would like this. Oh, quick language warning. In some rare instances, we might use some bad words. So apologies in advance for that. All right, we're talking about drills and how you can get better run form, but there is a caveat, there's a little asterisk there, because Mike has actually, through his injury, his one of the worst injuries he's had in his life, uh, breaking his, his femur and his hip, he's had to go back to doing these drills, and he's actually had kind of uh, a newfound respect and new insights on why they are important, but in a different way. So while we'll talk about doing these drills, he'll also put a bit of a new lens on it, which is, this is actually helping this. Therefore, this will do this. So we'll get right into it. Warm up complete. The first drill, doing butt kicks uphill. Tell me why that's important and what happens how to do them, and also, you know, what you've learned by kind of going back to the basics and relearning how to run again. A lot of people do their drills on the flat. Well, I started doing these drills before I could run. So I couldn't run on the flat. I couldn't do the drills on the flat. Everything hurt too much. But if we look at the the science, and it was probably, I think I read it from Dan Lieberman. He's a, a famous physiologist from Harvard University, uh, uh, sports physiologist. But uh, his research, and I think lots of other people do anyway, I'm getting off the subject here. But the bottom line is, going uphill, you're putting, depending on how steep the hill is, about 0. 0.6 to 0. 0.7 of your body weight through the joints. Okay, so if you weigh 100 kilograms, there's only 60 kilograms to 70 kilograms of stress going through the joints, going to the hill. But if you go downhill, you're putting seven times your body weight through the joints. So if you weigh 100 kilograms, that's 700 kilograms going through the joints, tendons, ligaments. On the flat, it's around about two and a half times. So 250 kilograms for a 100 kilogram guy. What I'm getting at is my leg couldn't take that weight on the flat. So I couldn't do anything. So I couldn't start to run because I couldn't take the weight. So therefore, I couldn't build the muscles up to run. So I had to get myself into a position to get to run. Well, what a lot of people do to do that is they go to the gym uh, and 
do controlled experiments and uncontrolled, not experiments, uncontrolled weight training under supervision of a physio in the gym to develop the muscles. Well, I thought if I can do the functional work and get the muscles activated outside of the gym as well, I'm also activating my own muscles. So I decided to do, to try an experiment and do some drills uphill. Uh, and so the first one I, I did was butt kicks. Part of the reason I did this was my knee wouldn't bend very much. I only had about a 90 degree bend in my knee when I started doing them. So I couldn't actually do a butt kick. It was more of a, a knee bend. So my left knee was hitting my butt. My right knee was sort of going to 90 degrees. And the more I did it, the more the muscles relaxed. Uh, and over the course of eight weeks, I can now almost do a butt kick with my right leg. So the right leg is the broken one, the left leg's not. So I can do a nice butt kick on the left leg. The right one can almost do a butt kick. So the, the new respect I found was this has been a great drill to help me get some functional mobility back into my knee joint. Uh, it's it also been great to get me to land underneath my center of gravity. So I often talk about this when you run. A lot of beginners runners and people with, that get injured a lot and run inefficiently, they overstride, they throw their lead leg out in front of their body, ahead of their center of gravity, uh, and that slows them down. So you want to be landing underneath your center of gravity. The great thing with a butt kick is your leg comes down straight underneath the body so it's landing correctly. Uh, and then I would focus on landing and getting my foot off the ground as quick as I could. So I was trying to do the butt kicks as quick as I could. So this was developing my proprioception. So uh, my leg wasn't coming off the ground quickly initially uh, because I hadn't used it for <laughs> eight weeks. It had been in a wheelchair or on crutches. Uh, and the more I did the drill, the quicker I was getting used to hitting that ground and coming up, hit the ground off, off off and my proprioception was in, in improving and I was getting better at the drills so I initially started doing the butt kicks very slowly and over time I started doing them quicker uh, and I was landing on my toes so by landing on my toes it was also eccentrically loading uh, my uh, calf muscles in my lower legs so I was doing lots of things with this one drill up a hill uh, and needless to say I needed to walk back down the hill I would do 40 butt kicks 20 on each leg and then walk back down the hill. Uh, and I needed that walk down the hill uh, to recover. And I also needed extra time at the bottom of the hill to recover. And then I'd go up the hill and do it again. Uh, and so butt kicks, uh, people that don't do them think, oh, I don't need that. I'm never going to kick my butt in a race. I'm never going to run quick enough. Uh, you might not, but it's very good to get some stability, some good form to make sure you're not wobbling from side to side, to get you used to landing forefoot so that uh, you're, abs you're doing some eccentric loading in the calf muscles. It it's good for increasing the flexibility in the, the quads. Uh, it's just an all-round good drill that will help get you uh, improve your running form. Uh, and, and uphill also adds strength and reduces the load on the joints. So that's my first drill that I would suggest people do. I absolutely love butt kicks and uh, I, I've been doing them religiously now for a few years to help out my Achilles. And, you know, there's a bit of a, I guess, a, a variation to that once you get good at the butt kicks up the hill. Um, so I wouldn't say add that, but this is something that I like doing. And if you're looking for, you know, a bit of shaking it up, um, dorsal flexion which is really hard to explain in a podcast this is also a video so you know maybe head on over to the video to see what dorsal flexion is but if you dorsal flex your foot which is basically putting your you, you want to put your foot 
as flat as possible or even get it past flat when you come around on the circle. Very, very complex. But what you're doing is you're, you're actually lifting your foot up and it makes the actual drill so much harder. Again, don't touch this. This is just a fun, fun fact. Don't touch this until you've gotten butt kicks down and you want to get that form right. So I'm going to end it there and let's go on to high knees uphill. Why would you do high knees versus butt kicks? I know you, I know you prefer butt kicks over high knees, but um, tell me what the difference between doing high knees is and then what the benefits are. No, I, I wouldn't say I prefer them. Everything has its place uh, in, in running. And the, the, as you run faster and get stronger, your, your knee drive at the front will naturally come up a little bit higher. So a lot of people say, oh, my, you know, I tried copying your run, but my legs don't, my foot doesn't come anywhere near my butt, and my knees don't go up at, at the front. Well, it, it's not that I'm specifically driving the knees massively high or kicking the butt. It's just a, a function of the speed. I hit the ground uh, and I re the, the muscles recoil, I bound off, and the quicker I go, the higher the knees come up in front. It doesn't mean to say that it's not good to over-exaggerate that in training a little bit. Uh, and I found that it was quite good. Uh, my adductors and abductors were fatiguing doing that. I was, I, at the moment, my adductors are, are really weak uh, in my hip, obviously, because I've got a piece of metal in there that <laughs> do everything. So I've got to strengthen them up. And, and I found that I found it really hard to actually just lift my knee up when I started doing them. Uh, and I had very little push-off on my calf muscle as well. And so the... The high knees just complemented the the butt kicks, but in front. And so I was focusing on bringing the knee up high, pushing off on the 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 ground with my foot, and trying to strengthen the the calf and the Achilles. Uh, because I hadn't walked on the the leg for eight weeks, the calf muscle had a trophy. I can never say this. A trophified. <laughs> Is that the right word? <laughs> Trophied. It had got smaller in, in simple English. My my calf muscle got a lot smaller uh, and and lost a lot of power. And uh, I really was struggling to do. The, uh, the high knee on my right leg so it was very asymmetrical the left knee was coming up to 90 degrees the right knee wasn't coming up much so I was spending all my time on this drill just focusing on the right leg on, on lifting that knee up high and only I do 40 high knee drills so I, I literally count to 40 left leg 20 times right leg 20 times just one two three four five six that's all I'm doing I've got some music on my pod a podcast or a podcast or some music to listen to to numb the boredom I'm not saying it's the most exciting training in the world uh, and I'd be swinging the arms quickly and just getting those knees to come up and trying to get 90 degree lift going up the hill not really focusing on going up the hill far or fast but just using the hill just so there's less stress going through the joints that's the main point of the hill in the early stages was I couldn't do this on the flat because it hurt too much so that's what the hill was for Ad break. This episode is brought to you by Energy Coaching, which is Mike Tree's coaching service. Mike and his team of coaches work with beginners to pros and all levels in between. No one is too fast and no one is too slow. They just want a desire to learn and improve. They focus on 1500 meter races to marathon running and triathlon training. Energy Coaching is constantly overbooked. So Instagram and this new podcast venture, Trees and D Lake, gives Mike and the rest of his energy coaching team a way to reach out to more people and help them. Contact Mike and his team at the letters nrg-coaching.com or go to the link in the show notes. And back to the show.
Would you say we're going to put a bit of a, a break in because that was number two, which is high knee. We'll get to yeah. number three, bounders, uh, in a second. But would you say the steeper the hill, the better? Or would you say to find like a more... I, some people might not know gradients. I, because I'm a cyclist, I know grades and all that. Um, is it to find the steepest hill possible or is it to find like a, a gentle but medium hill? Again, it depends on the person. So for me... Initially, I had to find the steepest hill possible because the steeper the hill, the less pain I was in uh, doing it. <laughs> and also, you've got to remember that I am quite a strong guy. Even though I broke my leg, I am pretty fit generally. So I was able to cope with a steep hill. If, if it's too steep that you can't do the drills, uh, don't do it. But I was on, ooh, I would say a good 15% slope. <laughs> ooh. That's rough. Yeah, yeah, that's rough. I think yeah. I got a 20% hill around uh, here. But I, I couldn't. I, I've tried to do a six a six percent hill, and it just hurt too much. Uh, in the early days, I couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so uh, it, again, you've got to think about your needs. Uh, mine is a little bit extreme, but yeah, I would say six to ten percent is what you need to be looking at uh, as a drill that I tend to get my runners to to do them on. The bounding you can't get bound up a fifteen percent hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. Unless you're a super elite athlete. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, just if you don't, if you don't cycle, and you don't know what percentage is. Um, because I, I can see the percentage of hills on my, on my Garmin cycling computer when I go up yeah. a hill. It tells me the gradient. Um, what you can do is you, if you have an, you have a phone and it has a level, and you could see the percentage of the actual. Um, so get a level app, sorry, and you can actually see the percentage. You put it on the hill. And see the percentage, but most people twenty percent is extremely hilly. So fifteen percent, you're getting to the hilly side. A ten percent hill is a real like if you ran a ten percent hill for five minutes, you would be like out of you breath. It's one, it's a really so ten percent is like quite hilly. Five percent is eh, you know, you're starting to get it's a decent hill if you sprint it really hard. Um, just just letting you know, um, I. I this, I'm sure there's 30 and 40% hills out there. If you go to go out <laughs> to some crazy mountain, there's, there's some crazy, you know, 90% is straight up. So just letting you know that uh, that that's where you're going. So 40, if you get to 45, you're basically Ski. going halfway up. A black running skiing is generally considered about 33%. Okay. Uh, and that pretty much when you're at the top, it looks pretty vertical. So uh, <laughs> you're not going to really run much. You're not going to run up a 33% hill. I would say 20% is about as steep as you really want to be running. After that, you sort of start to get to clambering. <laughs> Yeah, you're just, you're just walking at that point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> exactly. But in general, I would say, you know, 6, six to 10% uh, is what you yep. want to be looking at. All right, number three, the, the third drill is bounders uphill. So um, tell me how to do the bounders. Or sorry, you said not to do them too steep. And um, that was one thing. But yeah. tell me more about the, the technique and the form and what it, what it actually helps. You said something about stride length earlier. I like bounding because there's there's only two ways to go quickly to go well there's three ways you combine them the, the ways to go quicker are a faster cadence uh, and, and the butt kicks and the high knees will help you with a faster cadence you're trying to do the butt kicks as quick as you can and you're trying to do the high knee lift as quick as you can so that's helping increase your cadence and if you can do more steps per minute than you were doing and keep your stride length the same you're going to go quicker Obviously, you need the aerobic engine to cope with it, but that's uh, one basic way of going quicker. Uh, then the other way of going quicker is if you can keep your cadence the same, but increase your stride length, then again, you're going to go quicker because you're doing the same amount of strides per minute, but you're going further with each stride. So increasing stride length will help you quicker. So the high knee drills we do quickly, the butt kicks we do quickly, they help with the cadence. 
The bounding, we're trying to get the stride length longer. So what you're doing is it's all about landing and pushing off. You're not really trying to extend your stride in front of you. You're trying to push that back length behind you. So you hit the ground. Once your foot's on the ground, you drive forward and you're driving your leg backwards. You said there was three because you only you ended it at two. So what's the three the three ways to go faster? It's combine the two. Oh, increase combine the, the two. <laughs> and increase the stride length. Okay, so you could do either or, and then you do both, and then you uh, got it. And got you, you combine. Okay. So once you've done, once you've done, I was sort of getting to that at the end. Once you put your bounding uh, and your high knee and your butt kicks together, you get the cadence high, you get the stride length longer, and the holy grail is combining them into the third way of going quicker a longer stride length and a faster cadence. But it's not that simple because you do need to increase your aerobic engine and an ability to cope with the new power that you've got. So it's it's not simple maths. Yeah, you'll, you'll get tired. And getting the energy systems to work is a little bit different. But anyway, so back to the bounding. So these are three key, key drills that I love. The trouble is bounding at the moment is increasing stride length. So if I increase stride length, I come down with more force each stride that I do. So I can't do that. My leg won't take that force. So I'm not able to bound just yet. So what I'm actually doing instead is I'm skipping up the hill. I'm uh, Skipping means landing on the same leg you take off. So a little skip and then bit by bit, I'm trying to push myself off each time I skip and go further with each skip. And eventually I'll transfer that skipping into a bounding drill. But currently bounding, it just puts too much stress on the, the bone that it probably break again. It probably snap uh, if I try to do too much bounding. So it's it just too painful. I can't do it. So I'm not going to do it. Uh, but uh, that's the ultimate goal. I'll get, get into skipping uphill skipping and trying to push off more and more with each leg as I'm skipping up the hill and getting into bounding. But if you go up a too steep a hill with the bounding, you're not going to get the power and the drive off the, the back leg. So I, I tend to find a less steep hill around about 6% is good. Uh, no more than 10%, but 6 to 8% is really good. And just you, you run into the hill, get some speed work up, and then you bound and, and think of a gazelle. Uh, you, you've seen them in Africa. They go boing, boing, and these great big long strikes. And you try and hold yourself in the air for as long as you can with a bound. Uh, and initially, nothing will happen, really. You'll c- go up, come down, go up, come down. But if you just try and hold yourself up with a long stride, hold it, hold it, then land, and push off with the other leg. Hold it, land, push, land, push. Uh, and that's what I try and focus on. And initially, you don't really hold much airtime, but the longer airtime you can get, the better the, the, the stride length will become. And it's not about the, the speed of the stride, it's about the length of the stride. So hit the ground and push off. Hit the ground and push off. It, it's functional plyometric training. It, it's a great drill. I, again, I really like drills and um, plyometrics. And I realized, I realized about a year ago, I was like, why do I like doing these so much? It's like, because I'm good at them. And the reason why I'm good at them is because I have that power explosiveness. I did basketball. I played basketball in, you know, up until about 18, 19 years old. And I naturally could sprint and jump and do all those things really well. And I remember we had a soccer coach teach us plyometrics um, because, you know, it's like, if you get these things going, you'll be a better athlete athlete, you'll be faster. And I did really well to plyometrics back 20, almost, oh geez, 25 years ago, I was, you know, doing extremely well with plyometrics and I liked the drill. So it's one of those things where it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way where you, you do the thing cause you like it. 
and then you get better at it because you're doing it more and then you do it because you like it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like this big circle that continues. And w- when I had my Achilles in- injury, um, I went to my physical therapist and he was like physio and he goes, do these drills. And I was like, oh, plyometrics. We're doing plyometrics again. Oh, this is great. And I absolutely love them. So, you know, religiously once a week, no matter the time of the season, I won't do them right before a race um, because I-, I found out that if I do them way too hard, that I actually do fatigue myself as I get older. <laughs> but um but I do, you know, certain drills, like uh, there is a split between form drills and plyometrics. There's crossover between the two, but I absolutely love doing them personally. And I know some people hate doing them because they're probably not very good at them. Um, but, you know, to each is their own. You should be doing them, though. If you suck at doing them, yeah. find the ones that you like doing and do them consistently. If you can do them once a week, once every two weeks, highly recommend to do it. But last one. It's not about me. It's about everyone listening. Let's get to the last one, which is ankling. I call it ankle overs because that was how it was introduced to me. So tell me about ankling and how to do it, what it's good for. I learned about ankling from the uh, the great Arthur Lydiard. He, uh, he called it uh, ankling back in the uh, 60s and he got his athletes doing it. And he said, my athletes never suffer from Achilles tendon problems because they've got really strong Achilles and lower leg muscles. And it was basically leg springing or ankling is the other way. It's just you're, you're running up the hill uh, and you're just pushing off with the lower leg muscles. You're pushing off with the calf and the Achilles and, uh, and there's a bit of sort of plyometric rebound uh, and natural elastic recoil and just trying to land uh, forefoot, midfoot, let the heel sink into the ground and then push off with the, the calf and the Achilles and the lower leg muscles. So for me, I still can't ankle on my right leg. I've lost mm. so much power in the uh, the right leg. So it's more of a an ankling on one side and, and just absorbing the shock on the right side. Uh, and again, and it, it links in actually with what you're saying about finding drills that you're good at and like doing. We do tend to like to do things that we're good at, but it, it also, I found that we've got to do things that we're bad at as well. Because we're bad at them, it probably means we need to do them more. <laughs> uh, and I'm really bad at ankling at the moment because I've, I've lost all the proprioception and the power in my calf uh, on my right side. And so I'm actually doing more ankling on the right, <laughs> you know, focusing on, on the right leg. And I'm not really trying to spring off at all on the left leg because it's strong enough. So I'm just sort of using that almost as a, as a cheat, just a bit to re- re- my left leg will hit the ground. I don't push off much. I relax and save my energy and focus everything on the right leg and try and spring up and spring up. And it, it's at the moment, it's more of a theoretical spring. It, I'm springing up in my mind and I'm hoping that as I progress with all the training, I, well, I know I'll get better uh, at the time, but uh, at the moment it's not very good. It, it's given me a much better understanding for people who struggle with these drills. Uh, but all I can say is hang with it. it. It gets better. You've got to do some of the drills that you're weak at. And if you have them identified as drills you need to do, you've got to get yourself into that mindset where, yeah, you do them uh, religiously. Uh, because they're going to make a big difference in the long run. All right, we covered quite a lot. We went really deep on these four specific drills, and they were butt kicks, high knees, bounders, and ankling slash ankle overs. 
all uphill. Try to find a hill between mm. six and ten percent for the bounders. You might not want to be as high as ten percent, maybe close to five six percent, uh, due to just the actual action of springing up. Um, do them religiously if you can, especially if you hate doing them. They are a great injury prevention. They're a great way from coming back from injury. They're great to just do them in the base season. They're great to do them when you're in the race focus season. They're actually like it's like almost like an uh, the. I wouldn't say holy grail, but it's like, you know, one thing that you can do pretty much all the time, you know, and, and still get benefits out of it. And they're fun for me. Anything else you want to add? You, know, you can get into a nice rhythm with them. They After a while, they don't become uh, so hard, uh, become it more enjoyable. You're getting some neuromuscular development in there. You're getting your proprioception, some plyometric work, some strength work, uh, focusing on the form. Uh, there's so much in there. Uh and what I would say is for people who aren't injured, they just go out and do an easy run all the time. Instead of a 30-minute easy run, you're going to get way more benefit spending 30 minutes on drills than just doing another 30-minute easy run because you're probably doing enough 30-minute easy runs. So uh, vary it up. Uh, and so I often say, people say, hey, I only run four times a week. You know, I've got two easy runs, one tempo run and a long run. Where am I going to put these in? And I, I always just say, well, drop an easy run. Uh, this will... It, it'll not tie you much more than an easy run, and, and it's it's great uh, training for you. So I would say one easy run, one drill session, one tempo, one long run if it's four runs a week. And if it's three runs a week, maybe just in the winter season, drop the easy run and do this, or, or drop a hard run, drop the tempo run and do one, but uh, don't drop the drills, drop something else. Let's go. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Aaron So, a.k.a. D-Lake. Tips and tactics, you could train like a pro. This cast to help you run faster than you could go. All the PRs you could beat, of course, records that comes in your upcoming season. Right? Don't you agree? Endurance sports, a metaphor for life. That's that metaphor, baby. Eating clean so you can rest and sleep all night. Don't master a lot, don't master a little, just stay in the middle. Don't master all, don't master none. Just be a master of some. Is the health and fitness internet too much sometimes? Too many conflicting articles and videos that confuse you on how to train and eat right? Or you don't have time to just read and watch everything about, I don't know, the new trends on carb cycling for trail running. Don't worry, we'll take care of all that for you. Sign up for our free email newsletter, Three Thing Thursday. One, two, three. We'll put three perfectly curated and created things in your inbox for better living and training. Go to delaycreates.com slash TTT. We do the hard, time-consuming work and scour the health and fitness internet's deepest and darkest corners. This is so that every Thursday, you have a piping hot new email with the latest and coolest tips, tricks, tools, tactics, and skills, all so that you can train and live consistently to do dope shit in your next endurance event. If you sign up now, you can receive my quick guide on how to get healthy, stay fit, and use data to create habits that last a lifetime. That's delatecreates.com slash TTT to be inspired and motivated on the regular. Time. Time is a resource no one can make more of, so we appreciate you taking precious time out of your day to listen this far. Our goal is to show the world how to live better through running, cycling, and triathlon. The episode and many others have a transcription. Go to the show notes description to find out more. This was produced in Sydney, Australia, and I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal of the Eora Nation, who are the traditional custodians of this land. I pay my respects to the elders, past, present, and future. I recognize their continuing connection to the land, waters, and culture. These lands were stolen and sovereignty was never ceded. If you like this episode, again, we'd highly appreciate it if you go on whatever app you listen to and make sure to follow d Creates Podcast. 
We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon, Acast, and a bunch of others. And if you're feeling real loose, a rating, review, or share of this episode to anyone you know that would be into something like this would be amazing. If you have any questions, concerns, suggestions for the episode, or hell, you want to be on the show, hit us up. The best way is to email talk, T-A-L-K, at dlakecreates.com. We're also on the socials, mainly Instagram. You can hit up Mike Trees at the letters R-U-N dot N-R-G. Or you can hit me up on Instagram at dlakecreates.com. Or just wherever you can find us is fine. If you need any transcripts, you're into podcasting, or let's say you just are big into accessibility, please use the company that we use, SpeechDocs. You can check them out at speechdocs.com. Don't worry if you didn't get all that. There's a link in the show notes description. Thank you again so much for listening. Peace.